Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his spectacular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Adam Rossi, to discuss Spider-Man One More Day. Adam, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so pumped to be here. And if, you know, previous episodes of your other podcasts uh, have any inkling on what today will be, we'll probably get into some deep emotional stuff. Uh, <laughs> we definitely will. This podcast has <laughs> gotten way deeper than I thought it would. Uh, Amazing. In, in all the best ways. So I'm very excited. Um, Love that. So we are talking one more day. Uh, first published uh, September 2007 to December uh, 2007. Uh, ran through... Amazing Spider-Man 544, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 24, Sensational Spider-Man number 41, and ending in Amazing Spider-Man number 545. Written by J. Michael Straczynski and Joe Quesada, along with pencils by Quesada, inks by Danny Mickey, Mikey, M-I-K-I. It's anyone's guess. I'm sorry, Danny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Along with Joe Quesada, colored by Richard... Asanoff and Dean White, and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. The yeah, the Greek name I can pronounce no problem. Everybody else, I I apologize. <laughs> I don't know why that one that one rolled right off my tongue. So apologies to Danny and <laughs> I did say Straczynski right though, and a lot of people say like the whole afterward is you know when they're praising his work, everybody says you can't say his name, but he's a great writer. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so Adam, let me ask. Let's start off. Um, when were you bitten by the radioactive spider, a.k.a. when did you become a Spider-Man fan? Yeah, so when I was a kid, the Erie Times News, maybe it wasn't the Erie Times News, but there was a local newspaper that started to release old issues of them one at a time. And I started to collect those issues and read those. And then, of course, uh, in the early 2000s, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie came out. And then from that point on, it was like, oh, man, I love Spider-Man. Oh, so yeah. me and my younger sister, Emily, uh, watched the first two of those movies just like on repeat at all times. <laughs> I think the first one was 2001. The second one was 2004. I'm not uh, mistaken. 2002 and 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So those were huge in that mm-hmm. uh, sphere for us. That's awesome. Uh, see, I you know, you're the se- you're actually the second person to talk about being there being reprints in a newspaper. Yeah. And, and I think I knew that, but I've forgotten it until now. Um, (laughs) And I'm, I'm not asking you, I'm just thinking out loud going, was that, I I vaguely remember my dad going Spider-Man stuff and me going, right. Right. Um, So do you have uh, throughout all of Spider-Man lore, do you have a favorite character that you gravitate towards? Oh, well, I can't say Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, I always love MJ. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, if I if I had to pick one that's not Spider Man because everybody wants to pick Spider Man, sure. I would say MJ. Just because, not just because of, uh, not just because she's hot or um, like Spider Man or anything like that, but <laughs> she was always like, uh, uh, she was always like BA. You know what I mean? Like she was really cool. She was strong and powerful and always kept Peter in check whenever Peter was being an idiot and, yep. um, and, and, and just like always supported him and they supported each other. And you see a lot of that in their relationship in this uh, one more day comic about how they, uh, there's like a really cool moment. I'm sure we'll get to it, but like mm-hmm. where they're like, I can't make this decision without somebody else. And then he's like, Oh, that's interesting. Right. So I right, think right. that, you know, their relationship is so amazing. And uh, yeah, I've always, always loved MJ. Uh, I love that answer because it's not uh, it's not one I've gotten yet. Um, I'm sure more people will say it. I've only recently started to like MJ, and I don't want to get too deep into this rabbit hole, but I personally think she was written terribly in the Raimi movies. I think okay, she... Okay, yeah, oh, no, I 1,000% agree with that. Yeah, she, she just is just a... She's not nice to Peter. She literally cheats on every single boyfriend she has in every movie. Um, but it, and it really wasn't until no way home that I liked the Zendaya version of the MJ character. Um, Okay. Okay. I just just found her a little obnoxious in the other ones. Like, um, but I mean, I like Zendaya, but it was, I was just sitting there going like, are we supposed to be rooting for this character? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But well, uh, and I like, listen, I like the Raimi movies just as much as anybody else. Right. I just talked about that as part of my origin of how I like Spider-Man. Sure. But even that, I have issues with some of the Raimi movies. Like I said, MJ is like, they did her so dirty because it's just not fair to write it that way. But also like, the the this is going to be controversial, but like <laughs> everybody loves the Spider-Man kiss scene and it makes me feel so uncomfortable because to me, no person, but especially no woman in the world, their first thought after like almost being assaulted by people in an alleyway isn't going to be, let me just kiss this guy. <laughs> right like that's so weird to me i'm everybody's always like oh it's so romantic and i'm like in a vacuum sure but in that moment i'd be terrified i'm not kissing anybody yeah that that's that's fair enough um and and i you know and you're probably not wrong if we were to like bring on a psychologist right now to to say like what would a what would a person's mindset be especially you know, a young woman in New York City, um, what would her mindset be immediately after that? It would probably be, okay, thanks, and then run away if she'd even yeah. think of it all. Yeah, um, right, just run away. But yeah, so I don't, I, I agree with you that. I think that MJ's unfortunately been a character that hasn't gotten explored in a way that I would have, that I really would have appreciated. But you see a lot of it in this comic and just in the overall comics. I just think that she's such a, uh, a well-rounded character. Mm-hmm. And in a world of comics where, you know, thankfully we're getting to a point where movies and are, are, are in the MCU and, and other superhero films are giving women more to actually do than just be like a supportive character to the man. Yep. Um, but so in a world where that happens a little bit too often, they talk about the uh, the refri- like re- refrigerator uh, issue where yes. if, anybody if, anybody, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it basically just means that uh, you shove the woman in the refrigerator and the man you know, gets motivated to do something, you know, um, that, that is my issue with, uh, amazing Spider-Man two, actually, which I do like that movie. I don't, I, I get the hate towards it, but I still enjoy it, but I still think they did not have to kill off Gwen Stacy. You know, it's like, not. 
you, you, you <laughs> stick, you, you know, you're a stickler for these bits of comic books, but not the other bits of comic books. If you know, but that's a whole other rabbit hole we could get to. <laughs> we could go down, right? Of course, and I think yeah. you, you and I could easily just run down that. Um, but that's a but that's a good answer, and I and I agree, uh, especially throughout J. Michael Sierczynski's run. He made a point to not just MJ but Aunt May really give them the spotlight uh, yeah. and show why they're such important characters in Peter's life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and Aunt May isn't even technically really in this book, but she has such yeah, a no, presence. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another uh, quick question here: um, Do you have a favorite costume of Spider-Man's, and it can be from? Ooh. Any, any, you know, video games, comics, movies, whatever. Um, you know, the the one that immediately jumps to my mind is the one that Miles Morales makes at the end of Spider-Verse, where he's ooh. still got the hoodie on, yeah. and it's Spider-Man, but it's spray-painted over it. Yep. That's the one that immediately jumps into my head, because I just think it was so awesome. And also, it fits that the, the moment so perfectly, too, when you see it, and you're like, oh, yeah. it It's... Uh, you know that coupled with the "What's Up Danger" music um, yeah. is is really fantastic. Um, so yeah, I I would agree that that's that's definitely a good one. A, a close second is honestly the one at the end of No Way Home. Oh yeah, the the he like, I, I love I love the stitched one at the end of No Way Home. I yeah. actually was like super. Po- you only get like a brief you know view of it, but yeah. I I remember watching it and be like, oh my god, I love it because yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of the whole. Look, he has all Stark tech right away kind of right. thing. Um, but I was a huge fan of that at the end of No Way Home. Um, I I will give you that, and I will add that to my notes. So, um, wait, hold. All right. So you know, <clears throat> both uh, both excellent choices, of course. Um, I don't think there's not really very many bad Spider-Man costumes, and uh, just like there's not really any bad spider-man characters there's no spider-man character that i roll my eyes at um and go oh we're doing another comic with this person it's more just like the situational stuff like if we're splitting up peter and mj again or if we're just to bring them back together or this or that because i think that's a trope that gets used far too often with Mm spider-man um and can but and, and it sort of started with this one. <laughs> um, and it's kind of gone on for the past, you know, what I said, 2007. So almost, almost 15 years. Oh my gosh. Right. So <clears throat> let me let me ask you here, you know. So when I, you know, reach out to you and we were talking about this, you know, you were back in town. Um, for those who don't know, you know, because obviously you don't know either of us personally. Um, Adam and I lived in the same town for a while. We became good friends. And uh, you moved away uh, for a cool job opportunity. And you came back to visit around Thanksgiving. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about starting up this podcast. What would you, if you were to jump on, what would you want to do? And you immediately said one more day. And, yeah. I, and I, said, I said, well, you know, take all the time you need. I mean, whatever, it's fine. And you said, no, 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 one more day. And I said, yeah, that's fine. If you need another day, that, that's fine. And you said, no, no, no. <laughs> one more day and i said that's fine yeah uh we could go all day with that but 10 minutes later (laughs) no but uh i and i was actually and i will tell you this personally that i was not 
I was not surprised that you picked it because I expected somebody to pick it. But I was also surprised that somebody picked it (laughs) because (laughs) you literally can't hear the words or read the words Spider-Man one more day without the word controversial in front of it. Um, Yep. Because I remember when they were when they were talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, it was taking plot points from controversial story Spider-Man one one more day. And (laughs) it's just and even at the time it was lambasted. And I remember not liking it when it came out back in 2007, but also unfairly because I wasn't because I didn't read it. I just read about it. So that's not (laughs) that's not cool on my part. Um, But I will say that I appreciate your choice because it's a valid choice. It's a it's a great Spider-Man story, but it is also but I also recognize the validity of calling it controversial. Yeah, there were a lot of people that were upset about the whole splitting them up kind of thing for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of reasons why it's one of my favorites, if not my favorite. First and foremost, I think it has some of the best quotes um, in Spider-Man comics. It's the first quote of this comic is, quote, turn your ear to the frequency of despair, end quote. So mm. we're just we're starting off right away. Right? Yeah. Um, and there are so many quotes throughout. And I'm sure we'll get to a lot of them. Um but even like in the afterward by Stan Lee, which I'm sure not a lot of people read, I want to read a little snippet of it because I think it's really interesting how he colors this. He says, wow, talk about courage. Just imagine what uh, cajones it must have taken for Joey the Q and his Marvel madman to separate Spidey and MJ after years of marital bliss. Mm-hmm. I now, I, I, I know this new startling development will anger some readers, might even make some of them think that Marvel's lost its collective mind. But me, I think the bullpen, bullpen deserves a medal. In fact, I hereby award them a rare digital no prize. You see, <laughs> I haven't forgotten that day many years ago when I decided to have Peter and MJ get hitched. You should have heard the uproar from the believers around the globe. You're killing the strip, Lee. They get married. I'll never read another Spider-Man. How could you do this to your own characters? Have you lost what little of your mind was left? And those were just the kinder messages. So <laughs> I love, that's only a bit of it. Like he goes on to explain this even more, but talking about like, yeah. it takes guts to like make intense decisions like that. And especially like in a will they, won't they kind of way in stories, normally when they do is when like, you know, viewership drops, readership drops. Cause it's like, all right, well they finally did. There's nothing building up to it anymore. And now they built like, years of MJ and, and, and Peter being like this perfect couple where they balance each other and they challenge each other. They make each other better. Right. And their love is supposed to be so pure. And then they separate them. And it's like people lost their minds, yep. but in my mind, and one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite Spider-Man stories is that the core of Spider-Man has always been sacrifice. Mm. He's always been willing to sacrifice more than anybody else. And that's why I think he's so, universal because we all have made and have made and and do make sacrifices in our lives for what we believe to be worth it right so right. what's worth it to you um and i'm sure and we'll delve i'm sure we'll delve into like smaller moments here or there mm-hmm. but i think that's just the overall to me why it's such a great story um i i love that you put it that way because it's it, you know the story is about like kind of yeah, I, I guess arguably the ultimate sacrifice that that Peter could make, you know, sans 
Sans, you know, uh, giving up his own life. Um, sure, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, I, I did really like that moment where Mephisto says, uh, I, I'm tired of selling, of, of buying souls because souls that oh. are, you know, tortured in eternity are okay with it because they know they saved a life that those panels are horrifying they're, like they're, i, I yeah, wrote yeah. i wrote notes when i reread this and my notes for that was like yo mephisto is low-key horrifying the yes. way he's you're absolutely and those panels of those people sitting there with like people behind them with whips is like so scary in that moment and you're right like peter is obviously willing to give his life at any moment right yep and he and he's like no there's no way I'm just taking your life. That's too easy. Yeah. And that's scary. <laughs> it, you know, it's, and I think that the, the whole story is, is centered around Peter, you know, like Peter's relationship again, not just with MJ, but with may um, and, in, in really the best way, because it, you know, because it, I think it's tough because when I think of Spider-Man and, and this is why it's a little bit of a tough read and I have to, and I have to kind of remind myself like, okay, so this is Peter. Like, I mean, this isn't just rock bottom. Like he's under the rock, you know? Yeah. I mean, like literally some of the promo art for the comics was, you know, one more day written in stone and P and Spider-Man was under it. Mary Jane's on top and he's reaching for her, yeah. you know? Um, so it's like, okay. So it, you know, you, you so not having kind of the jovial, He's going to put on the mask and make some jokes, Spider-Man. Like he's, you know, he has a, he's a line where he says like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for the and jokes. Spider-Man in this whole four issue arc makes maybe two or three jokes the whole time. And yes. he's supposed to be like the quickie hero, quippy hero. Yeah. It's mind boggling. And they, they just set it up so perfectly too, because you go through like, I think it's in part three where he meets the different where you find out our different versions of himself and then the little girl and like, and all that stuff, they set it up so perfectly to make him feel like he is like ridden with selfishness, right? Yeah. The way they set it up and everything. So that when he hits the moment of this is your chance to be selfless, he's even lower than he was before. Right. It's just so nicely built up into that yeah. moment. And then there's a line, I, I think it's the woman at the end who turns into Mephisto says, our destinies are written not in huge brushstrokes, but in the, the tiniest, finest of details. And again, it's just such a great quote. It's so simple, but it's so true. And it's so true to Spider-Man, right? And they show the panel of like the one bite. If one person says, hey, Peter, and he turns the wrong way, he doesn't get bit. Nothing happens, right? It's just, if the smallest thing changes, everything changes. And I just think that that's such a, that's such a fan, in a world, that is so fantastical and and histrionic and dynamic to know that it still comes down to like the the, the, the smallest of margins is is amazing to me. Um, I, I love that you brought that up because I I also found that to be uh, true, like not just to the book, but to life uh, to, you know, and then thinking about just something as simple as like, you know, I. I almost jokingly, when I had to buy a new car, I almost jokingly said, yeah, I want the next car to be black because I was thinking Christian Bale, Batman Begins. Hey, does it come in black? And then I get an, I get an email from the Toyota dealership saying like, hey, did, if you wanted a black car, we got one. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I could have, you know, but I could have actually been more serious about it 
and been like, well, no, like I, I don't actually need that. I, I, I think I'd rather have this or whatever. Um, but also, but you know, to in my defense, I had to buy a car rather quickly because mine was totaled. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I, I, I thought about that a lot. I was like, man, like, you know, and, and this, these are conversations we, you and I have had privately too, just little yeah. random things like, oh, if only I had done this or if I'd said this or whatever. Yeah. It's so, um, and it, it's so profound. And, and, and again, saying like, it's not the, the broad brush strokes, it's the tiniest details. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, you know, when I was reading it, I was like, not only is that brilliant, but it's almost a duh. Why didn't I think of that? Because it's, it, yeah. it, it makes perfect sense. And, and that's the best kind of story that here's a story about, you know, a guy with webbing coming out of his hands, fighting Iron Man <laughs> and, you know, dealing with Dr. Strange. And this quote is a hundred percent relatable. And then, you know, I, I have to put the book down and then I just start thinking about my own life. Like that, that, that means and says a lot. There are entire, there are entire worlds of mine that I've had that have been destroyed by one sentence I didn't say. That yeah. like, I know if I went back and said one sentence, there are entire parts of me people in my life that would still be around right mm-hmm. so that's the fact that they can boil it down to this is amazing and i love I, you love it's great that you pointed out as well that you know you thought it was so simple but you didn't think about it in the moment this is another great example of being so short-sighted and how grief and pain gives you tunnel vision because yeah. at the end yeah. at the end they show the girl and say, this is the daughter you'll never have. And it breaks the two of them. Yeah. But if you've been reading the whole time, it's obvious that's who it is, right? Yep. Yeah. But And you know that because you are sitting back holding this book or comic and reading it. And you're like, like, do you guys not realize what you're giving up, right? And they don't because they are so close to their grief and their pain that they can't see everything else. Yeah. And I think that that is just so important that you know, no matter what what's what's ailing you, what you're struggling with, what you're going through, that you, I guarantee, don't even see a, 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 a sizable portion of the whole picture. And I, you have to believe that if Peter and MJ had seen it from that full picture, that they probably wouldn't have made this choice. And again, it, I, I just think it's such a the way it's concocted is so beautiful too, because they have that revelation, they have this moment together where they hug and they kiss for the last time. And the very next panel, I'm looking at it right now, is flashes of like moments of their lives together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's that's the whole picture, right? Yeah. If they would have seen those panels continue with the life they could have had with their child and children, possibly, they probably don't make that choice because they see, oh, life does move on. And there are still just as many beautiful moments left for me. I yeah. don't have to throw it all away for one day. It, you know, it, it, that it is so interesting that the the idea of the one more day, I think going into it, you would probably assume it's about May because she's about to die. But it's actually about Peter and MJ. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I I forgot to tell you this, but I'm glad I tell you now. Uh, so as of this recording, uh, last night uh, at the Warner Theater, I saw a waitress for the first time. Oh, nice. And uh, and I was I was very pleased. It was it was really great. Um, but uh, it, it struck me how there was a similarity where 
there's the song where she says, you know, where they say, you know, you matter to me, I matter to you, or, you ah, know, such a beautiful song. And, and I thought of that in the several, several panels of it's, it's just Peter and MJ holding each other. And Jenna, the, you know, the waitress in the show says, you know, she's talking to her unborn child. She says, I hope you'll find someone who wants to hold you, you know, for several minutes, not, not to kiss you, not to, you know, have anything else happen just because they want to hold you. And I was reading this book going, what crazy serendipitous timing we have <laughs> for this, uh, this recording <laughs> that, um, that we get to, that we get to talk about that. And, and also the reality of that as well, like how great is it to have somebody? Um, and sometimes it might even just be like, as my cat's running around me and like a pet, you know, like, um, it's such a great feeling when you have a dog in your lap watching TV, you know, yeah. or, you know, the cat that, well, no, not mine. Cause he's a little bastard, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you have a cat that wants to lay with you and, uh, play with you or whatever yeah um and even going further you know a love like a a lover or a loved one or a child even you know greatest feeling in the world is my daughter just 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 going hold me and i just pick her up and just mm -hmm. like you know I'm just i'm yeah. just holding her that's all she wants yeah and i'm yeah. like i'm like yeah like this is the best feeling in the world and she doesn't want anything else out of it and i don't need anything else out of it and i loved that we aspect of it we, we consistently underestimate the power of physical intimacy mm. and physical intimacy that doesn't have to be anything extra, right? And yep. you're right, they have these panels where they haven't even made the decision yet. And it's they're, they're some of the most beautifully drawn ones too because there's so much darkness in the color too. Yeah. Um, and then they're like talking about it and she's like, Peter, I hate to say this, but like maybe you like think to move on. He was like, it's not because uh, it's not because May might die. I know that that would happen one day. It's because it's my fault. And it's like, that's why I couldn't live with it. And then she goes, but then he goes, I know I could live with it if it's what we decide together. And then what happens is there's like a bunch of panels here where like she's crying and he's just like has his hand on her face and then he just holds her. And then they there's like a panel that's like one, two, three, four. There's like six on the top and then six on the bottom with like almost no words of just them close to each other, right? Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. And then Mephisto shows up and all this stuff happens. And again, the final panels of the two of them is they kiss and then they hold each other and it shows the panels and he wakes up. Right. So yeah. it's like that, that just physical touch and like being around somebody sometimes is like, she even says like, don't talk. I just want to lay, I just want to sit here. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's really awesome. There's like, they do a really great job with how they pace the dialogue in this, in this, these issues. It's it's very it's there's there's action in it, but the action is almost not it, or I would argue the the action is not nearly as interesting as those no, it's not. moments. Um, I mean the cool there's some cool panels of Iron Man versus Spider Man. Yeah. But outside of that, everything else is really like even though like he, he has fights with the uh, darkness creatures when he like astral projects from Doctor Strange and like that's you know, whatever. But really, yeah, it's I, the first two parts are kind of eh for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, whatever. Like I see what's going, but when they, right where they hit part three with all the different versions of him and then part four where they're wrestling with this decision, I forgot that it ends this way. Yeah. Like I, I completely, cause obviously like spoiler alert, if you're a Spider-Man fan, it doesn't last, right? They end, they find their way back to each other. 
but <laughs> like I forgot how depressing it was. I was reading this at school during my lunch period, and I have like in my in my school we don't have a cafeteria, so kids eat lunch in your classroom during third period. And okay. so I'm sitting there, and I finished it, and I I was staring. I don't know how long I was staring, but somebody's like, "Mr. Ross, are you okay?" And I was like, "What?" And they're like, "You just been staring straight for like a couple minutes." It's like I just read something sad, and I forgot how sad it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 is because it's um. It, there, there is a, there is a death in it. You know, it's not the death of May or Spider Man or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's the death of their marriage that Mephisto takes from them, and it's, right. and it is sad because, and you know, I was reading this interview with Joe Quesada um, earlier today, uh, and, and he had a really good point where he was like, we, I, I knew I wanted to break them up. We had to break them up because we needed the stories to change. Totally makes sense. Totally works. And. For anyone that like goes nuts and says, like, oh, you know, he betrays the characters, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it you could argue that, and maybe you're you're not wrong. But the thing is, is that Joe is also not wrong because this was 15 years ago. The stories had to change. You know, the we needed well, something new this, with Peter and, this, and Spider-Man. This, this this also goes into last Jedi territory. With, <laughs> oh, you're not respecting your character. Because here's the thing, is that when you said nobody, this isn't a video podcast, but if you didn't see, I just like sat up and got into a stance. Um, so here's the thing. He's ready to fight. <laughs> when you have character, when you have characters that become this legendary, I'm talking about Spider-Man, MJ, right? Uh, and then I'm bringing up, you know, Last Jedi, Luke. Yes, they are entrenched characters and they have these things and we all want to believe that they're infallible. But when they get to that point, nothing that they do past that point matters near remotely as much as it did before because you're like well they're up here it doesn't matter right Mm -hmm. but seeing a character like luke and last jedi and like peter and characters like peter and mj in this moment fall like i don't see how you can't look at that and have these people be your heroes and see if my hero can fail and still come back from it there's nothing i can't do right like i i can't i can't imagine a world where that is not a hundred times more powerful message than Luke shows up with a hundred lightsabers and smokes the whole first order or Spider-Man spider sense is so powerful. He knows Mephisto is tricking them. He punches Mephisto in the face. He is now gone. Like th- those are, th- that doesn't matter to me. I hate those stories. Like mm-hmm. I tapped out of Dragon Ball Z when they went to super Saiyan God. Cause I was like, I don't care anymore. They're too powerful. Yeah. Right. Yep. I, like I, I just don't, and maybe that's just me, but I don't find stories as connectable when they go that far i you you need to be able to connect somehow and i have failed countless times in my life so whenever a character i love fails i'm like as sad as that makes me i've been there right yeah yeah that matters more to me than you defeating everybody with a flick of your wrist that i i absolutely 100 percent love the way you put that it, it's uh and it, it's true isn't it because it's it's not you know, we want the heroes to win in the end, but of course, of course. With, but with comic books and and you know, and if we're going to talk about Last Jedi with with movies, you know, there kind of is no end. You know, so yeah. <laughs> so it's okay if they fail because there's another shot for them, just like there's another shot for us. Like yeah. you know, maybe you know you didn't get that job in North Carolina, but you know, you reach out and do something else 
and suddenly you get a better job, you know, somewhere else, you know, well, I mean, you did go to North Carolina, so that's a bad example, but (laughs) no, I get you, (laughs) but you know, it's so to have that idea of, well, you know, and that's part of the reason I, I, you know, did you ever watch the show heroes when it was on like years ago? No, but I, a lot of people have said that it's very good. It's uh, the first season's good. <laughs> the, okay. the other season's right. not so much because they, the part of it was that they made the villain uh, played by uh, Zachary Quinto. They made him so powerful. I found oh, it. Yeah. I found it unbelievable that the heroes could fight him and stop him. And, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's like, I, and I think that if, you know, you're going to have your heroes fight the villains. Okay. So let's have Spider-Man. If he's going to fight the green goblin, Spider-Man's at an eight and the Green Goblin's at a 10. So it, sure. sh- it shows that's, that, that's how much more awesome our hero is that he can find a way to beat somebody who's stronger and better than he is. Um, yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the, the villain, you know, you talk about Luke Skywalker, the villain was himself in the story. He failed and mm-hmm. he felt that he needed to pay the price for it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and same with, and same with Peter in this story, you know, and I, because there was a while there where I was reading it going, I, I feel like if Peter says, you know, it's my fault, I can't live with myself one more time, I'm going to just throw the book out the window. Because well, he's, yeah, I mean, it's also, <laughs> it's also a great example of like, I don't want to say letting yourself off the hook, but like, he seeks out his own retribution for this, right? Yes. Literally. Yes. He, he like he he can't deal with the actual consequences so much that he seeks out a worse one. Right? Yeah. Like it, it, it's another it's an even deeper lesson on not living in your own grief, right? If we get comfortable in our own pain and that's all we know, and that that's Peter, he all he knows is sacrifice. All he knows is giving up something for the greater good or for what he feels is better than Mm -hmm. what is. So he's lived with that so long that his instinct here is, it doesn't matter. I have to do something that's more painful for me or for people around me, because it's the only thing that makes sense. Um, And it's just crazy. And like, and Mephisto knows it too. I mean, that's why he's like, I don't want your soul. That's like, you win. That's what, that's your dream is to be the martyr. Right. Right, right. Um, And he also just, it's so, like I said, he's so creepy. In this that I like I didn't even realize so like I wasn't I didn't know a lot about Mephisto when Doctor Strange came out so mm-hmm. I didn't know enough to be like annoyed by what oh no that's not Mephisto it's Dormammu never mind I messed up oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so we'll see what Mephisto looks like if and when Mephisto shows up in the MCU um if conspiracy theorists have their way then he's already been in it like 20 20 times um, <laughs> but he has a really really like freaky panel here where he's talking to them he's like if you don't want my or peter says enough of the games you don't want my soul so what do you want and Mephisto says what i want is greater than one one paltry soul can provide me what i want is the one thing in the universe that is truly greater than the sum of its part and tastier than any single soul i could devour i want that which gives you joy that which sustains you in your moments of greatest despair the source not of your power but of your strength your happiness your dreams and your passion i want your love and horrifying but Mm -hmm. also an example of not seeing the bigger picture right living in your own grief and your own pain and not seeing beyond that point you're stuck there because mephisto is laying out i want 
all of this that is way more powerful than your soul or your pain in this moment to get rid of your pain in this moment. And if Peter and MJ were thinking clearly and looking at the full picture, they would see how unbalanced of a deal this is and never do it. But because he's in so much pain, he can't see it and he refuses to see it. It's, you know, no, a hundred percent. And, uh, and it's such a, uh, it, it, and it's, you have these voices of reason throughout the whole thing. You have Tony, you have Dr. Strange, you have uh, even uh, Dr. Fine at the hospital for the little bit he's in it. You know, you have these mm-hmm. people that are actively telling Peter like, Hey, like this, this happens like, yeah. and, and not only that, but it's not your fault, you know? And, and you, and you sort of see both sides. You get Peter's logic. Aunt May was shot because of him. Um, yeah. You know, Dr. Fine is the first one to say, listen to me, she's going to die. I, yeah. there's nothing we can do about it. You, and, you know, Stark says she's going to die. There's nothing we can do about it. And then Peter goes through this, like, you know, metaphysical journey through like the Marvel universe. You see panels of him talking to, you know, Mr. Fantastic and even Dr. Doom of all people. And, and mm-hmm. they're all telling him she's going to die. It's, it's not possible. And he just refuses to accept it. Um, and, and, and I love that bit with Doctor Strange and, and also love Doctor Strange was a big part of J, uh, J. Michael Straczynski's run uh, in, in his stories. Uh, there were a lot of magic stuff in it. It was really good. Um, he, you know, and he's, he just says to him, like, I'm going to talk to you as a doctor, not as not as the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Like, you're going to regret not being there when she dies more than how hard you're trying to save her. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But something along those lines. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think about that a lot and in, in my own life where I've had moments where it's like, um, I, I know I'm going to regret not being there when I've had loved ones die. Like we know they're going to die. You know, uh, I'm thinking of like my, my step grandmother, like, you know, a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to go see her in the hospital because I know that I'm going to regret not going there. And, it's something as simple as that, that like seeing her weak and fragile and this isn't the woman I remember, but that feeling of being there and being able to say goodbye was better than how hard that was, was infinitely easier than if I hadn't yeah. gone at all. Right. Yeah. And he said, you're right. It's exactly what he says. He says like something along the lines of stop blaming yourself for the inevitable. Right. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. He's like, save her the time you have. Go and see her. And I think he says something like, give her every moment of your love that she that, that she has left. He's like, yeah. there's no greater gift than you can give to her now, right? Yeah. There's nothing else left but just giving your love. Yeah. And Peter refuses to see it that way. And yeah. th- that's part of, like, I mean, he's he's he has a stubbornness to him. But if anything, like I said, he's just so blinded by his guilt and by his pain that he just refuses and he's it's so it's also fascinating for like such a brilliant character to have these moments as well um and it proves it has nothing to do with intelligence level so like that's why that's why i always i don't i shouldn't say roll my eyes but i always get so discouraged when people are emotional or in pain they're like i'm sorry this is so stupid i'm like no it's not right yeah (laughs) it's really just not everybody goes through this has nothing to do with 
with with who you are, how smart you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, what you have, what you look like, what you don't like. It has nothing to do with any of that. We all deal with pain and we all, whether we like it or not, deal with pain poorly for the most part. Yeah, it's it's not anything you can train for or deal with because it can happen at any time, as this story shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quick quick side note, I uh, on on another kind of side tangent, I am really glad that this didn't end. This story didn't end and didn't eventually end, even years all these years later, with like a monkey's paw twist that Mephisto ends up killing Aunt May anyway, or she ends up dying anyway. I'm really glad that didn't happen because it, it, I think if that had happened, it actually would have ruined the book. It would have ruined the story um, mm-hmm. more so than just splitting Peter and MJ up. And, and I like the idea, you know, Joe Gozada was trying to say like, if, if they had just gotten divorced, I don't like that because that means they gave up on their love and it wasn't worth it. And, you know, you know we're just too different or anything like that. He's like, it, it had to be something supernatural so that they could find their way back to each other. And I, and I have to agree with that a little bit, you know, it's like, okay, so it, it's, it would be far less interesting. The story would be far less interesting if they were just like, you know, if, if it, it, on, on a very like, you know, pitch meeting kind of level, well, we got to break them up. Like, how do we do it? I'll just have them get divorced. Who cares? It's like, it's much more, I, well, it, it's much more interesting this way. It's ironic because one of the main controversies was that the, like, the, the comic was criticized for using supernatural element to retcon marriage instead of like maturely dealing with the issues of divorce. Right. Like that was one of the, that was one of the major controversies. So it's fascinating that, um, that that is the reason why a, it's like such huge controversy happened. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a great example of like, like it also doesn't work na- like taking outside of us going super deep with this for a second. Narratively, it makes no sense whatsoever for them for, for Mephisto to want their marriage in this deal if it's not strong enough to endure possible divorce, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like, that just means it was a weaker marriage, right? It didn't work out, you know? But if it's a... Maybe this is a bad... Maybe this is a, me not understanding marriage fully. But to me, if it's a strong... Like, if, it, if it's a strong enough love and marriage, right? Truly healthy and strong, then it's not going to end in divorce. Right. And so I like the criticism falls short for me. It seems like somebody's just upset by something and they're like, let's come up with something to criticize this for. Right. <laughs> I, I find that the, the people who say <laughs> it, it, the, the Venn diagram is a circle, right? The people who complained that they got married in the first place are probably the same ones complaining that they <laughs> got separated much, right, in the, right. much in the same way that, you know, when I look at like, you know, you know, like the Batman movies are notorious for every time someone's cast, they people lose their minds. You know, Michael Keaton, Heath Ledger, even Robert Pattinson with the new film. It's like and then they are quickly, you know, and then it's like, just let's just it's like, let's just read the book. Let's just watch the movie and see how it is, you know, uh, because we don't. We, well, and I should I should also say real quick on this. Because yeah. I'm worried that somebody's going to hear this and think that I meant something else. I'm not advocating for people in actual bad marriages to stay in bad marriages. I'm saying <laughs> that I'm saying that good, healthy, like good and healthy, true, honest love and marriage isn't going to end in divorce because you're going to work through things that are issues, right? Yeah. Um. So I, I want to sort of make that clear. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, I got you. I got you. Um. It's you know, it, 
it's you know and and that's the thing about marriage and you know it's it's work it's it's tough because you have to you're dealing with the same person every day you're dealing with new and different situations or even the same issues over and over again um yeah so there's no fairy tale ending to those things um Mm. and and i like that but i think it, it what what makes this story work for me is is the fact that you know, like you said, the first couple of chapters that uh, meh. like, I, I agree with you. And, and the reason I agree with you, uh, kind of what you were talking about before is because it had to be both of them together. It had to be both of them going, if we're going to do this, it has to be both of us together deciding to do it. Which is an example of a good marriage, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because it, it doesn't make any sense. Because if it was just Peter going fine, whatever, I don't care. He would have come across like a total, like a total jerk. And and that would have just looked bad on Mary Jane for, you know, or P- look bad for Peter on Mary Jane. Like, and if, you know, like who wouldn't want to divorce him if he was just like, I don't care. Yeah, I'll give it the marriage if it saves it's my one of my It's one of my favorite moments in the whole story when he says, like, this is like you said, you would give anything to save your aunt. And he said, anything that big, I can't answer alone. I have a responsibility to somebody else. Yes. And it's such a mature response. And also, it is so nasty, creepy, cool when Mephisto's like, of course. And then he opens the door and MJ's saying the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. She says, I can't make a decision like that without talking to Peter. And then he goes, but of course, it wouldn't happen any other way. Speak of the devil, boom, they're in the motel together, right? It's so, it's so good. It's, it's such a, like, I don't know. I, it's, I mean, it's just a, it's just a comic that we're reading, but I feel like that line speak of the devil. Like it just, it just, it just hits so deliciously. Like, like, oh, like, oh, you, you, you son of a bee, you. uh... There's also like, and I know that, I know that this is a through line through a lot of comics, but it's so fascinating how we have this world with like literal gods and stuff like that. And yet Mephisto still talks about the Christian God in this comic. Yes. Yeah. He mentions like what him winning over. I think he says the word God um, by taking something this pure from the world. Right. And so I think it's so interesting that that's like still part of their universe. Yeah. Even, um, but yeah, it's you're right. He says, "Speak of the devil," and it's literally himself. And I was like, "Oh, that's creepy, dude. That's it, creepy." It's, <laughs> it's it's a really good line, and you know, and you know, and I know like uh, J. Michael Straczynski, he was not comfortable with how the how the story ended, you know. Oh, really? Uh, um, and which which I understand it. I mean, like you know, like we've been talking about, it's controversial, and and that's totally fine. But then again. The the fun thing about that is that yeah you could sit there and say that all day like oh you know blah 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 it's controversial it's like yeah but here's the thing about that here's 15 years later we're still talking about it yeah and yeah. and I you know we I, there's obviously this podcast we're gonna have a lot of Spider Man to talk about mm-hmm. but and and you know some good some bad whatever um, obviously mostly good or else we wouldn't be talking about it but I I love being able to dig into one that is going to divide people because it's but because it still means something and it's still yeah. and it was still there with the characters uh when i was reading about it like up until fairly recently i'm not super caught up on the more recent spider-man stuff but it was uh 
but it still was brought up like that Peter, you know, every now and then would be like, I feel like something's missing. And it's like, and you know, Mephisto just kind of laughing in the background kind of a thing. And that's, yeah, that's interesting. And I, I will say people also just forget we live in, we live in such a politically correct world. And I'm not saying that some things aren't good to be correct about, right? We don't want to be rude to people for no reason, right? It's, it's important to be uh, polite to people. But people yeah. forget that like theater and art back in the heyday caused riots all the time. Yeah. There are plays that we read now in schools and study that we also just gloss over the fact that this was so controversial that people rioted about it, right? Roman theater, they're, they're one, one of, the, one of the, the, the main dramatists of the Roman era of theater's name was Menander. He wrote a hundred plays. There's only four that exist in the world today because they were all stricken from the record because the rulers of Rome were like, no, nope, you don't get to do that. That's crazy. You're not gonna talk about us like that. Just like wouldn't copy it down, stricken from the record. And this happens all through the ages of art in general. People try to like, stop people from reading things so like just because a comic book you don't agree with what they're portraying is so mild compared to some of the stuff that you used to like people used to be able to be killed if their art was bad so like yeah, yeah. I, I know that we live in a politically correct universe but it's definitely not as bad as it used to be <laughs> i mean co but comic books have a history of riling people up anyway and absolutely and also like what 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 would you rather have being riled up about a story or being put to sleep by a story, not being able to finish the story, right? I, I, I'm much more interested in a story like this where I'm, I'm not mad at the writers or, or, the, or the artists or anything. I'm much more interested in I'm sitting there looking at the characters going, you're making a mistake. Yeah, and no, you're right. That is far more interesting to be yelling at Peter and MJ going, you know, almost like in a, that movie, being in a movie theater, throwing popcorn to screen, going, "What are you doing?" Yeah, um, like it, the beginning of any, like the beginning of any scream movie where they're watching the stab and they're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Yeah, exactly. And you're just like, you know, like, um, like you're like, get out of the house, like call the police, like get, you know, what are you doing? And it's like in in a situation like this, you're just like, you're like Peter, MJ, like, what is the matter with you? Like, um, yeah. And, but again, and, this is, it goes back to like when you're too close to it, you don't see everything, right? And okay. I have, and I will another another point. Like I have students that are like this, where they will, I'll, will be di oh, dissecting plays, analyzing plays, or or watching movies, and I'll be talking about how good the stories are. They're like, well, I would just do this, or I would just do that. I'm like, listen, you you're sitting in a high school classroom right now. Mm -hmm just reading something you're not standing in this moment being forced to make a high pressure situation decision i get it that you're smart and you're good at a lot of things but yeah. like let's not pretend that if we put you in that moment you also wouldn't be flustered or you also wouldn't be able to see the full picture right, right. i think too often we when we get to look at things from a vacuum we oh, it's so easy to sit on a high horse because we can see the bird's eye view it's so much easier that way but when you're down in the trenches and you're in that moment, you're, get out of here. There's no way that you aren't making a mistake too. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned Scream because one of my favorite moments in Scream that is 100% real to me is she's when um, Nev Campbell is first on the phone with the killer and she says, 
you know, I hate scary movies. It's always some dumb, big, big breasted girl who should run out the door instead of running upstairs. And then like two minutes later, she gets she runs upstairs and she runs upstairs <laughs> because because like what would you do in that situation? Like you're not exactly. you're, your fight or flight is going to trigger and you're not going to sit there and go, hold on, let me think about this. You don't have time to think about it. A guy's going to stab you to death. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I and I love you saying that, too. And uh, one thing I found very, very interesting, uh, not sort of like still on topic, but, you know, on to across the across the aisles here um, is talking to people about um, and, and seeing interviews with people about the Dark Knight, uh, the fairy scene and people in the movie yes. theater thinking, I don't know would I would I press the button and kill mm-hmm. the prisoners or would I would I not like how would how would you know how would I vote or would I be like that guy who stands up and says you know screw it I'll do it you know um, I and I love that because it's like those are the moments that are going to stay with you. You know, this moments, you know, these this deal with the devil they make stays with us. Um, and obviously there's tons of cannon fodder for future Spider-Man stories, as there have been yeah. in the past 15 years. And the funny thing to me is always when people are like, I'm dropping the book like this is stupid. I never want to read Spider-Man again. And I'm pretty sure when Brand New Day came out, the sales like went through the roof. So <laughs> just historically speaking, y- you didn't put your money where your mouth was. So <laughs> people people rarely do. Well, that that's, you know, it happened years and years later when, uh, you know, they had the superior Spider-Man story arc, you know, when Doc Ock took over Spider-Man's body and uh, and Peter died in Ock's body. People were like, oh, you know, I and I was kind of one of them i was a little bit like i don't think i like that that's not okay but then i was like well now i'm curious and i have to read the book um but and i ended up loving superior spider-man and there were friends of mine i told this podcast about and they were like and a friend of mine who lives in uh, texas he was like well i don't really he's like i I haven't read a lot of spider-man stuff but you know but you told me about superior and you know i'd be on to talk about that and i was like great (laughs) you know so how uh, how the turntables, as they say. <laughs> how the turn, yeah. Um, I will say, you said, you know, not to, you said, not to cross aisles here. Honestly, in terms of our track record with podcasts, we've stayed mostly on topic for this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did get a little bit into feminism in the beginning, though, as, as you are, as you are want to do. So, but, but, yeah, but it's, yeah, but it fits because Mary Jane is a big part of the story and it, yeah. And it would have looked bad on either one of them if either one of them decided without the other. Like it would yeah, have made her I the agree. villain or would have made him the villain. And I didn't I want I don't want that. That that yeah. that would have turned me off the book. I would have been like, I don't like this character anymore. Um and I agree. In, in in either situation. Um and that's not okay. But them being a team and saying, we gotta figure this out together is way better. Um I definitely would like I absolutely would have hated it if Peter said it without con- consulting MJ, right? Like, that's such a horrible thing to do. He's like, yeah, take her away from me. I'm not even going to talk to her about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I 1,000% agree with you. Yeah. Um, Adam, this has been, you know, as, you know, like we were, you were saying ahead of time, like, oh, you know, I don't know how deep we're going to get. I'm like, I'm sure we're going to get pretty it deep. Always because, yeah, it always happens. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's the well, beauty. This is also a deep story. This is a deep story. It, 
it, it really is. And, and like I said, it's, and while it's, we have, we don't have that much levity with it. Although it is kind of funny seeing Iron Man strung up by like all, all the webbing in Peter's body was, was kind of a funny part. Well, um, and I also forgot, I forgot that, and he mentions it in the, in one of the panels. He's like, ever since my, the, the like webbing comes from my body, I've never tested its limits or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess there is a moment where he stops having to use the shooters and like it is organic. That, yeah, that was a response to the the to the Raimi movies. To he his powers like mutated, and so he he could do it like he could in the movie because yeah. Raimi's logic was well, how can a high school kid build all that? That doesn't make any sense. Whereas the future directors were like. Yeah, but that's what makes him cool is that he could do it. <laughs> right, um, right. So there's there's validity to both arguments, but I will say I I think there's more story potential with when there's a limit on it, you know, like Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. in No Way Home going, I have to make mine in a in a lab. It's a hassle. And it's a hassle. <laughs> <laughs> um so Adam, we talked hey, a little bit. You just spo- you just spoiled that Andrew Garfield's in No Way Home. Uh, it's been out for a while. It's already made like eight hundred billion dollars. So, um, so Adam, we were talking a little bit before uh, that. Unfortunately, where you live does not have a, a local comic book store. Um, yeah. So you 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 get your stuff digitally um, or through uh, Amazon anyway, which is uh, sort of you know, uh, which is a sad reality we have that local shops aren't as uh as prevalent as they were maybe even when comic books were first coming out um but uh so that question i normally ask you know what's your local comic book store uh unfortunately the answer is well it's you know further away from me than than i would like um but um i don't know go there anyway support local no yeah i mean Eerie Book Galore is awesome, and they have yes, yes. all kinds of stuff. So I always, that's my go-to whenever I go home. I yeah. always visit Book Galore. But there is, I have visited the comic book shop that's near me. It is really nice. Uh-huh. Uh, and they also, like, will always order out issues for you um, if if you need that or anything like that. So I have. It's just further away than I would like because I would go there more often. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough. You know, we've got work and lives mm-hmm. going on. Uh, do you know the name of it? Yes, it is called... Capital Comics. Capital Comics. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Capital Comics. And then there's another one called Ultimate Comics, but they're both like a half an hour away from me. Yeah. That's tough. But I had uh, a buddy. I have a fellow teacher of mine who I thought was older than me, but actually younger than me. Um, <laughs> he, he was trying to, because we were talking about it. I was like, I haven't found one that's like right here. And it's like, yeah, you have to go to Raleigh or Durham or Cary to find one. He, but he gave me a couple. And it was like, and we were talking about the League of Extraordinary Men because I was telling him about um, this. And he was like, oh, you know what you should read? And he was telling me that. So I was, it's on my to-do list to go to one of these co- shops and see if they have that. Um, when I lived in Greenville, North Carolina, I, I did go to Raleigh and it might have been Ultimate Comics. It was so long ago. I don't remember now. Uh, but yeah, there are nice stores out there. Um, and, you know, it's just it, it. But it can be, you know, like a weekend thing is cool. But like it's tough when like, you know, you're you've got, you know, your life going on and, you know. Um, right. I get I have yeah. school and then rehearsal and then sometimes club. So I'm not normally home or, or like doing anything for dinner until like six thirty, seven o'clock. So there's yeah. no way I'd be like, oh, let me run to the comic shop real quick, right? Yeah, when um, it's, but when you're it's right, like, 
a 30 mile drive or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, and, and no judgment here. I, I, unfortunately, you know, I think we're all, we, you know, we're all there at some point, you know, um, but uh, but I love that uh, but I love that we you know we can still give these guys a shout out here um, and Adam you know like I said before this has been a total blast um, you know anytime we get to talk or hang out it's great um, you know I can't wait for you to next time you're in town you know you, you know you never I mean I I'd say you know don't hesitate but you but you never hesitate to reach out and go <laughs> I'm in town let's let's get together let's and do we something all, yeah. Um, so uh, where can so you have your own your own podcast? Uh, yes. If you want to go ahead and plug, uh, let's uh, let's get yeah. your let's get your stuff out there. So so me and my best pal Josh Lapping have simultaneous text. It is an NFL podcast. I don't know how many how much crossover we have with comic fans and, and NFL, but it is on Spotify and uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Simultaneous catch. Uh, we have a, a Facebook, which is exactly that. And then we also have a Twitter that's at Simult Catch. Um, but yeah, we just finished the fourth season of our podcast this year after the Super Bowl. So next nice. year will be season five. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We uh, we still do the best that we can from a distance because we were living together for two of those years. Um, but uh, yeah, it's plugging along. We talk football all year round. We're taking a break right now because the fourth season ended and there's a little break before nfl free agency but once that gets rolling we'll get rolling because that's that's josh's bread and butter he loves the offseason yeah that and, and that's awesome i love i love your passion for all that uh and i love how passionate you are you know whether it's you know football or theater or in this case spider-man you know yeah it, it's it's never a dull moment so thank you so much for sharing that with us today absolutely um, if i could end my portion and then you can add something i just want to read one last thing by Stanley that I thought was really great sure. in the afterward. So he says, as for the future, who knows what it holds? Will our star-crossed lovers stay apart? Will they be reunited one day? Or will something even more unexpected occur? Look, neither you nor I can ever know what tomorrow holds for us, right? That's the mystery and wonder of life. Love it. Perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Adam. That was beautiful. Well, I mean, it's Stanley, so... Of course, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's Stanley. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it, and it was great. Um, you know. Sure. So uh, as for me, you can follow me Twitter um, Spider Man at Spider Man Books, or email me sp at the Spider Man, or excuse me, email me at Spider Man Book Club at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in to the Spider Man Book Club. We'll see you next time, Webheads. Excelsior. <laughs>